Welcome, everyone, to episode number two of Markets and Mortgages, the podcast. Like I said, this is the second episode, which means we are not on any of the platforms as of yet. So if you have found the show to listen to, I greatly appreciate it because you really had to find and search for this program because, like I said, we're not on Apple yet, not on Google, not on Spotify. You have to have a couple shows under your belt. You have to you know, apply. It takes a little while. And so we'll be on there soon enough, but we're not there yet. So if you're listening, I mean, major props because you actually had to go and search for this show, which... Like I said, I greatly appreciate it. And I will let you know when we're on those platforms because I know you're dying to give this program a five-star review because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to do that? Now, we almost have five stories to get to, which I don't know if we're going to because, as I've said, I've tried, I'm trying to keep this podcast under about 20 minutes. Uh, 15 is kind of the goal, so we'll see if we can get to all of them. And it's kind of surprising because Mondays are usually pretty dead with regards to real estate news as someone who's been following this for, for over a year and kind of... Get, can get a feel for what's happening with regards to news. Um, yeah, money's usually dead. It's usually we get some weekly data from the Mortgage Bankers Association on loans in forbearance. That data always drops every Monday. But outside of that, it's usually kind of empty. And that is not the case today. So we're going to jump right into it. Uh, as someone who is in a seasonal town, this is kind of a big deal. And I can vouch for this. Uh, Redfin is reporting that second home demand has just gone gangbusters. It's exploded, skyrocketed. Any adjective you want to use to talk about giant growth can fit in this sentence. Up 178%, second home demand, 178% year over year. In April, it's the 11th straight month of 80% plus growth. Now, Wilmington is not as diehard of a seasonal town. I mean, there are some beach towns where there's like literally no one in the towns <laughs> during the winter. That is not the case in Wilmington. I mean, we obviously have seasonal people that live here seasonally. They're usually closer to the beach. But I can tell you in a town that's kind of a seasonal town, the demand has just been insane. And so that 178% doesn't surprise me at all. Um, with regards to home prices, 27% year over year. Now the median price in April, $450,000. Now here's what did surprise me. Redfin reported that the sort of general home price appreciation was actually 28%. So I mean, you would think that when you're seeing 178% increase in demand that you would see higher appreciation. But then again, because we are talking about seasonal towns, beach houses, those prices are already elevated. So there's kind of less room for them to grow. You know, I mean, so if you're talking about a house that's at $100,000, moving twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 is a bigger number than if a beach house moves twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. That's a smaller drop in the bucket. And so I think maybe that's why that's the case, because a seasonal home is still about thirty dollars or $40,000 over the average median home, or I should say the median price of a home. And why is this happening? Very simple, the pandemic. And people are realizing that a lot of the sort of lifestyle that we had during the pandemic, especially the wealthy, are realizing that this is probably going to continue. Uh, Redfin chief economist, Daryl Fairweather, says as long as the economy continues to grow, the second home demand is not going to go anywhere anytime soon. He said, quote, the combination of the wealthy becoming wealthier, remote work turning into the new normal, and low mortgage rates is creating an ideal environment for affluent Americans to buy vacation homes. 
And yeah, he's right. I mean, I don't think anyone expects that to disappear anytime soon. Now, speaking of home price appreciation, we all love it. Well, I would say most people love it when uh, housing prices go up because a lot of people are homeowners. It means they become wealthier. People that work in the industry, whether it's the mortgage industry or the real estate agents, housing prices go up, you tend to make more money. So most people like it when home prices go up. Now, if you're a home buyer, not so much. However, when it comes to any other price, there's very few people that that like prices going up. Even the people that are selling the product, because usually the reason they have to raise the price is because the cost of making that product or stocking that product has also gone up. And that is the big concern that so many people have right now, and that is inflation. Now, for the longest time, you know, got the Fed printing money. We, we got quantitative easing, I should say. We have a lot of spending going on, stimulus packages, everything else. The big question was, is there going to be inflation? Are we going to see inflation? Are we going to see inflation over 2%? We haven't seen that for a long time. Well, the debate has now, it seems, shifted. And now it's, well, is this inflation that we're seeing going to be permanent or is it transitory? That is now the new debate because... The question of whether or not we're going to see inflation, that has already been decided. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal on Monday morning that said that Americans are beginning to pay sharply higher prices for goods and services. That's according to Nielsen IQ that says that price tags on consumer goods from processed meat to dishwashing products have risen by double digit percentages from a year ago. Anyone's out there shopping and buying anything already knows this. And as we all know, why is this happening? Well, we've heard about the supply chain disruptions that the pandemic has caused. Uh, All of a sudden, this new demand has kicked in. So you have costs rising at pretty much every step. I mean, from just the ingredients that are involved, commodity prices have risen. Then on top of it, trucking companies are paying scarce drivers more to take those materials to factories and construction sites. And so as a result, I mean, pretty much every aspect of the supply chain is more expensive. So prices are going up. Now, here's the good news. And it's kind of good news. All depends on how you look at it. So there's a new report out from the New York Fed. And it's a survey of households and asking people what they think is going to happen with inflation. And the good news is that most people do not feel as if this is going to be a long-term problem. Now, they did see an uptick on the short-term horizon, but on the medium-term horizon, that has remained unchanged. So they expect that the median year ahead inflation will increase to 3.4% from 3.2%, but on a three-year horizon, that has remained unchanged at 3.1%. But here is, I guess, the problem. So as we all know that if if inflation kicks in, which usually means you have a overheating economy, the solution and the only way to stop that is for the Fed to come in and raise rates. So that means that the Fed chair... Jerome Powell needs to be sort of open to this idea. In fact, it's why Janet Yellen just, what, last week said that, oh, yeah, I'd raise rates. I guess maybe she forgot that she was the Treasury Secretary and not the Fed Chair anymore. And then she kind of had to walk those comments back. But two weeks ago, 
The Fed Chair Jerome Powell was asked about this, and he said, quote, an episode of one-time price increases as the economy reopens is not likely to lead to persistent year-over-year inflation into the future. So Powell is seeing the inflation, and everyone is. I mean, Warren Buffett last week told his shareholders that we are raising prices, people are raising prices to us, and it's being accepted. He's seeing it everywhere. We all are. The question is, how long is it going to last? And Powell is saying, oh, no, no, this is just a one-time thing. No big deal. The prices are going to go back up. And then they're going to go back down once everything kind of reopens. Supply chains get back to normal. And that's sort of what he's hoping for. Now, I don't know what it's going to take for him to change his mind on that. We've already heard from the Fed, right? The Fed made this very clear that they are now no longer going to see 2% inflation as sort of that ceiling that's going to worry them. Like, uh-oh, we're over 2%. We got to do something. They're now saying, oh, we'll let it float. You know, if it goes to 2.5, maybe even 3, that's fine because it will average with the last year to about about 2%. That's what we're looking for. So I, th- I think it's going to take a lot for Jerome Powell to be like, all right, we got to raise rates and slow this inflation down. So once again, the big question is, is this temporary? And then once things get completely open or... Are we going to see bigger problems with people demanding? Because right now we're hearing about people not going back to work. Are we going to have to see wage hikes to get them back to work? Wage hikes usually lead to what? Higher prices. So maybe once the supply chains open, you know, open back up, commodity prices ease a little bit. But then you see wage hikes. Well, you're not really going to see much change in prices. So there's a lot of unanswered questions here. And... We don't really know what's going to happen, but we do know that the debate has now changed from are we going to see inflation or not to, well, how long is this inflation going to last? Is it permanent? Is it transitory? We're going to find out soon enough. Now, once again, going back to prices, I want to go back to this Fed survey real quick because this is a monthly survey from the New York Fed, and they were looking at you know a lot of prices. But obviously, this being the markets and mortgages podcast, I want to focus on what they see happening with regards to housing prices, um, or I should say housing expenses, not only just what a house costs, but also what does rent cost. And I'll tell you, the numbers are kind of surprising. So the median home price change expectations has increased a big jump. From 4.8% to 5.5% in April. That's a new series high. But what really shocked me, and I guess this kind of makes sense because we saw rent uh, drop significantly because of the pandemic, especially in cities, but in other places as well, just because people were saying, hey, you know what? Look where rates are. I'm going to go buy a house. I want more space. I can't get this in an apartment. Uh, But consumers expect rent to jump 9.5% year over year. I mean, that's that's a big jump. It's the fifth consecutive increase and it's a new series high. So people are expecting not only inflation just in general, but housing expense uh, expenses to really jump. So, I mean, th- that's where sort of we are. I mean, people are kind of expecting that, which like I said, I mean, this survey is looking at head of household. It's not polling economists which to be honest may actually be more accurate based on where a lot of economists projections have been over this last year. But it is very interesting that people are expecting rents to jump by almost double digits. That was just a number that kind of, kind of caught me by surprise. And I thought that we would end things 
on a positive note because I mean, a lot of good things are happening in housing. Once again, depends on your perspective. If you're a home seller out there, things have never been better or at least close to it as we talked about on the last podcast. Uh, But if you're looking to buy a home, things have actually never been worse. But let's talk about some good news. And as I mentioned, every Monday, the Mortgage Bankers Association releases um, their forbearance survey data, which looks at how many people are in forbearance. This is obviously a very important number because people are worried that if, you know, right now, because of these forbearance programs, because of this eviction moratorium, there are people out there who have not been foreclosed on and should have been foreclosed on. And what's going to happen is it's just going to be a just avalanche of foreclosures and it's going to tank the entire housing market. Now, I don't think that's the case, mostly because of how few homeowners are underwater. And every month it gets smaller and smaller. I mean, I I think the number is under 2 million. And that's a big deal because the latest data from the Mortgage Bankers Association this week, just in one week, there was an 11 basis point drop. So the amount of loans, the total loans now in forbearance is 4.36%, which represents 2.2 million homeowners. So if you think about that, that means there are people who are in forbearance who are actually have positive equity in their homes. And so if they get out of the program and we obviously we're seeing people leave the program, that number dropped by 11 basis points. People, let's say they're forced out of the program and they have to get out of their home. They're going to be able to sell it and either make some money or break even, but it's not going to be a foreclosure situation. It's not going to be a negative for the housing market. Uh, Mike uh, Fratoni, Fratonity. (laughs) I probably should have tried to figure out that guy's name before we started the podcast, but now it's too late. Uh, The NBA senior vice president and chief economist said in a statement that the pace in the declining share of loans and forbearance quickened in the last week of April. This is the 10th week of decreases, reflecting a faster rate of exits and a steady low level of new requests. I mean, that's that's just great news for the housing sector because I'll tell you, every day I'm looking at housing news and every day there's another article. Are we in a bubble? When's the crash gonna happen? What's happening? I, in fact, did read something over it. I think it was Iman. And they were reporting that there's going to be a crash, but it's going to be a home seller's crash. <laughs> and, that, and that, yeah, I mean, things are great. You're going to see probably a little drop off, um, but it's not going to be this just crash that we've seen before. I mean, there's so much, there's just so few homes that are underwater and the occupancy levels, and we've talked about this. Um, well, actually, no, we haven't. This is only the second episode. <laughs> I was thinking we have talked about this. One day we'll do a big jump into some of these numbers when they come out that just shows how different what's happening right now is versus what happened in 2008. But this is another example of it. I mean, so people in forbearance are leaving the program. And I mean, let's hope. I mean, let's hope that by the end of this month that we're going to see fewer than 2 million people in forbearance programs going in the right direction. All right. I would say if you obviously subscribe to this podcast, if you can, but I don't blame you if you want to wait for me to get on Apple or Spotify or Google or however you listen to podcasts, uh, we'll be on there soon enough. So you really can't, you know, review us and leave us a good review. There's nothing available yet. Do you want to remind you, of course, that there is a companion newsletter that goes along with this podcast, but the fact that this podcast isn't 
on any of the platforms, you're probably finding it on the newsletter. So you probably already know about that. But you guys have a great Tuesday. We'll see you back here Wednesday morning. And well, as Will Rogers famously said, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. 